Welcome to Bible study. Glad you're here. Take a few moments and pray, and then we'll get started and uh, see what's going on with our Bible study. Father, thanks for uh, just the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. Uh, we come to hear from you. We come to uh, have you teach us, and we come to learn. Ask God that you'd help us to just open our hearts, minds, open our spirit. Uh, open our soul to what you want to say to us and what you want to impress upon us tonight. And so, God, I just ask that uh, we would have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Holy Spirit, I ask that uh, you would teach us. I pray that you'd open your word to us. I just ask, God, that um, yeah, we would be able to hear you and uh, we'd be able to respond and that we would see some change tonight. I pray for something to happen. Something to happen. So we ask you to move, we ask you to be glorified, we ask you to lead us, you guide us. I pray your anointing tonight uh, as I teach, and I pray, Father, that um, yeah, we learn one from another. Give you thanks. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Reminder uh, for our podcast listeners that we have an interactive feature with Bible study, and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com. That's S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go there to that webpage, and there's a button that you can toggle, and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail. And we'd love to hear from you. could be just saying hi. Or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Should be a Bible on the table for you. Of course, digital versions abound. Colossians chapter 3. I need a volunteer. Remember, it's General Electric Power Company. So, uh, that's the order of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. I need a volunteer to read verse 13. All right, thanks. Uh, yeah, so this is a pretty simple verse as far as reading it, but the application of it is what matters, and that's really the the point of it, that we can understand what it says. We can understand uh, when Jesus says things like that, we can understand, you know, because in different places in the Gospels, he, he mentions, talks about forgiveness. And he gives a reason that we should forgive is because we've been forgiven. 
And so that's a simple concept to hear, uh, but to actually apply it becomes a little more sticky because we get our feelings hurt or we're offended or something happens and we want to strike back. And so depending on where you come from and depending on your background, you may have more of a tendency to strike back or you may have a tendency to withdraw or you may have a tendency, whatever it is, uh, just depending on how you're raised and a bunch of factors in your life. But uh, the one thing that we're told to do is to forgive. And so the gospel is the word of Jesus. In other words, he spoke the words. And the words in red, that's the gospel. And a lot of people have the word, but it dwells in them really poorly. And the Bible talks about to allow his word to dwell in you richly. But the issue becomes that people will get a hold of the word somehow, uh, whatever that means to them. They maybe memorize it or they were brought up in the church or they have some form of faith. And so they have the word in them, but it really dwells in them in a poor way. And it manifests itself in that kind of poor way because it has no power. If the Word is dwelling in you, there should be a power in you. If the Word actually has some kind of influence in your life and is richly dwelling in your life, then there should be some evidence of that. There should be some power that you see in and through your life. And if you're not seeing that, then there's, that's, that's a sign. That's a, that's a little bit, that's a clue that perhaps His Word, although His Word may be dwelling in you, his word may not be dwelling in you richly. It may be dwelling in you poorly. And that has to do with application. That has to do with how you're actually living. There's lots, you know, you could, you could look at it and you say, all right, well, you know, I, I memorized how much of the scripture. Oh, great. But the issue becomes, all right, well, how much of that is actually applied to what actually comes out on the outside? how you're actually interacting with people, how you're actually living with people, what that actually looks like as you're living out your life. And and that's an indicator of how well that Word is dwelling in you. So, now, you know, I could point to different situations where that happens. Uh, I was thinking about uh, theologians specifically. And there are theologians that really know the Bible. I mean, they, they could tell you uh, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. They know the languages. They, they know the meaning of words. They know how words form together in sentences in the original languages. And they can tell you all about it. They, they know the names of all the kings of Israel, all the kings of Judah. They, they know the line of Adam. They, they have all of this information. And yet there's guys out there that have all that information, but they really don't know Jesus. And there's a real problem with that in that the Word dwells in them, but just really poorly. And that doesn't have anything to do with the quantity. That doesn't have anything to do with even the quality of understanding. Because they understand it in the sense that they can tell you all about it. They understand it in the sense that they can tell you the definition of words. They understand it because they can tell you how sentences are put together and what some of the meaning of that would be. So there's an understanding there. The issue is, is how is that really applied into the person's life? 
And that's what really is the bottom line with what it means for his word to dwell on us richly. Is that it's got to be applied to something. It's got to come out the other end somehow. And uh, and for a lot of people, that's the real problem. Because we like tasks. We like, all right, well, here's the task. You know, read the Bible in a year. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I go through the Bible every year. That's something I do. It's something I've been doing for years and years. And, and, and it's an important part of my personal growth. It's an important part of my study. But that in and of itself, and we love stuff like that. At least most of us do. It's like, okay, I've got a plan. I can do this. I'm going to do it every day. And then you get to the end of that plan and you're done. You, you turn that last page and it's like, yes, I've accomplished this thing. We like that feeling. The issue is that, all right, well, okay, good. All that's good. But what are we applying from that? And then you can't apply something you don't know, so it's important to know it. But then it's to take hold of something, even something small, even something little, and just apply that to your life. And then you begin to see what it looks like for that word to actually dwell in you richly and in that rich fashion. It's because you begin to apply that and you begin to see it manifest in and through your life. So this verse here, speaks of something that's our duty. And I know we don't like that word. I used that word a few weeks ago. And this idea of duty. That, you know, we, we like to think that everything in life will just be like, okay, we really want to do it. But not everything's like that. Not everything is something that you necessarily, absolutely just want to do. Because there are just some things in life that are our duty to do. And and there's no getting around it. It's just part of being us or part of being a human or part of being a part of an organization or part of being a part of whatever it is that we're a part of. And that there are certain duties or certain responsibilities that are involved in that. That's all right. And And it's too bad that that's become kind of a negative word. It's not really a negative word. Duty has to do with... Uh, being a person of your word, duty has to do personal responsibility, personal responsibility in your life and the things that affect other people. And so really there's nothing wrong with the word. It's just, I think it takes a negative connotation if that becomes your whole life. And I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting there are certain things that are part of the Christian life. There are certain things that are part of our faith. There are certain things that are part of what God has said and what God has given us. Certain things about like what Jesus has said, that they're just our duty. And and we can pretend it's not, but then we're missing something really important that God has for us. And the reason he puts it into that term is that this is a duty is because sometimes when it comes to things like he's talking about here, you're not going to feel like doing it. You're just not. You're not going to feel like, because he goes in to just talk about forgiving people, He's talking about making allowance for people or forbearing one another. Those kind of words like that. And in you're in certain situations, and these are just life situations, people situations, not judging anyone, you or anybody else, but you find yourself in a kind of a people situation where you're just not going to feel like it. There's just some days that you're not feeling like forgiven. There's some days where you're not feeling like forbearing. There's some days you're not feeling like making allowance for somebody else. It's just the way it is. And so it's on those days that you look at that where you're just not feeling it that 
it, it comes in handy sometimes to realize, all right, well, I'm not feeling this. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, this isn't like what I'm really looking forward to or anything else like that. This is my duty. This is the expectation that God has of me. And this is an expectation I need to have of myself in my relationship with my God. That this is something I need to do. And if that's the case, on those days when you just don't feel like it, so be it. Because there's plenty of those days. There's plenty of those days where it's time to get up and do something. And you don't feel like it. Plenty of those days where, I don't know if you noticed, there's a graphic on the overhead Sunday. You had a guy on the top screen, it's a meme. There's a guy on the top screen, he's like, Lord, speak to me, tell me. Like, give me, give me some reason. I need to get up and go to work today. Yeah, that was the bottom part of it. Yeah, you're poor. Okay. Yeah, you got a family to feed. Oh, yeah, you got rent to pay. You got a mortgage to pay. Whatever it is. It's like, oh, yeah, there's a water bill. And, and oh, yeah, we need laundry detergent. Okay. We got to put food on the table. Yeah. Okay, there's a clear answer to that. And that you don't need, you don't necessarily need to be, you know, boldly approaching the throne of grace to figure out you need to put food on the table. Right? You don't. And you took a responsibility when you got married or you had kids that this is something that's part of your responsibility now, part of your duty. So you get up and you go do it, even if you don't feel like it. Because there's some days you don't feel like it, Right? Yeah, well, honor and duty go together. And I almost said that earlier, but I didn't want to confuse the two things. But the idea behind that is that, yeah, that, that it used to be, because I was just trying to get us over the hump that duty is not a bad word. It's not a bad word. So let's get over that hump. Because in reality, in ages and generations past, doing your duty was considered to be honorable. That this is something that you're honored for. Yeah. So, and it's a point of honor in our lives. And I think the Bible talks about duty in those kind of terms. And I think society used to talk about duty in those kind of terms also. And I think that's really helpful to look at something like that and to elevate it to a certain place in our thinking, in our consciousness, that, you know what, it's an honorable thing to go about doing your duty as a person, as a dad or as a mom. To go about doing your duty as whatever it is that we're, we're going to be about, a Christian, a citizen, whatever it's going to be. But there's something honorable about that. And to allow God maybe to begin to change our thinking and looking at things like, and not just always look for the things that we feel like doing. Because the things that we feel like doing, that's always great when that comes up. And we enjoy that, but there's things that we don't feel like doing that still need to get done. Right? And that's just that's just the way it is. You know, if you're watching a kid and the kid poops his pants, all right, you got a duty to take care of that duty, right? That's right. You understand what I'm saying? And so you take care of that. What if you don't feel like it? 
Does that matter? Necessarily? Not really. You're it. Alright? I mean, I just take our kids out, you know, dad's day out, right? Well, what goes on dad's day out? All fun and games and we're just going to have a great... No, no, no. They poop their pants. Right? And you find the changing station in the men's room, because they are in the men's room. You flip that thing down and you take care of business. Why? Because that's your duty. If you don't feel like it. And so there's a certain, uh, and, and, I, and I want, and I pray for at least us as God's people that that idea of honor in doing our duty, whether we feel like it or not, could be restored. And we could begin to think about things a little bit differently. And not just always seeing things as this overbearing burden that uh, is before us. Can't possibly accomplish this. Well, why don't we begin to look at things a little bit differently and, and say, all right, well, this is part of what God's called me to do. And there may be days where I'm really gung-ho feeling like it, and there may be days where I'm not feeling like it so much, but it's just still my duty. And I'm going to continue on in what God's called me to do. So in this, he talks about, and he begins this verse here, where he talks about making an allowance. And the idea of making an allowance for is forbearing. It's a it's a root word that you look at, and the word endurance is a part of it. Endurance. There we're enduring certain things, but we have to make allowance for one another to fail. And that's just the. And I've talked about this before. This is just a verse that specifically talks about it. And the idea is, okay, we've got to make allowance for one another because we're going to fail. We need to make allowance for one another because we're going to offend. We've got to make allowance for one another because we're going to do the wrong thing. We're going to make allowance for one another because we're going to forget something that we should have remembered. We need to make allowance for one another because we're, we're going to hurt each other sometimes. Not that we want to and not that anybody's trying to do those things. It's just that those things happen. And and that's just part of the human condition. And God knows that. And so he, he looks at this and he looks at us and he says, all right, so this is part of, what did I just say? It was your duty to make allowance for one another. Because we got to look at them and say, okay, the allowance that I'm going to make for somebody else, I, I pray they're making for me. The allowance that I'm making for somebody else to fail, the forbearance that I'm making for somebody else to mess up, the forbearance I'm giving to someone else to to be hurtful or to whatever it's going to be, I'm praying and I'm hoping they're going to give me the same thing. That's why it's a duty. That's why you know we're not living our lives just around each other whenever we feel like really super full of mercy toward each other. Because some days we're going to feel that way and some days we're not, but we're still going to be around each other. That's why it's a duty to forbear. It's a duty to make allowance for the other. The other person. The others that are part of our life. And so God calls us to endure or to forbear. And when and what's he talking about here? He's talking about each other's faults. 
And those faults, that word there for faults, is the idea of active, present, positive, advancing offenses in your life. What does that mean? It's happening right now. It's happening right now. These are the moments that are happening right now. This isn't something that happened in the past. This is something happening right now. This is in the present. And so he's taking care of this, number one. He's saying, all right, so set yourself. Understand this as part of your duty to make allowance for and to forbear the fact that somebody's going to be hurting you in real time. They're going to make the wrong decision today or tomorrow or tonight. Are they going to say something you don't like today? Are they going to say something you don't like tomorrow or whenever it's going to be? But that's what happens. Is that, and then that's what this verse specifically is talking about. This part of this verse is are those things that are happening right now. They're the active things. The stuff that is presently going on. And so to make allowance for that, we get the idea of clemency. Anybody know what clemency means? Kind of a mercy, uh, right. Yeah, literally, granting grace. And so we live our lives granting grace. Yeah. We're just going to grant grace. Oh, what if he did this? Yeah, our duty is to grant grace. What if they said that? I know, that was especially nasty. But you have a duty to grant grace. Well, that was rude of him. That's correct, it was. But we have a duty to grant grace. It's not so much that you need to convince anybody people are rude. I don't need to convince you people are rude. You don't have to convince me that people are rude. I know people are rude. All you got to do is go to a store. I try to stay away from stores because people are really rude in stores. For whatever reason. But it's like they hate their lives. They're in a store. I don't know why. I don't understand it. But I, they, don't, they don't like it. And so they're going to be rude to people that are around them. Maybe they work at the store. Still rude. Some of them. Maybe, maybe they're just other customers at the store. Angry because they're waiting in line. I don't know. Rude. That's all right. Maybe I look rude. I have no idea. But we're granting grace for whatever. And again, you don't have to prove anything. You don't need to prove to anybody that person was rude to you. I believe you. If you tell me someone was rude to you, it's really easy for me to believe that. Super easy. I believe it. And so you can feel like whatever you need to feel about uh, you know, somebody being rude to you. That's all right, all right. Yeah, I believe you. But that doesn't change the fact that we're granting grace to whoever it was. Or whatever the situation was. That's our duty. Is to grant the grace to forbear and to make allowance for failure. And so that speaks to, it speaks to no evil for evil. No railing for railing. That, that doesn't, alright. Am I saying you never lose your temper? No. I'm not talking about perfection here. And, and people, man, they read something like this and they're like, Wow, you know, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. You've already failed at this thousands of times, all right? So, yeah, of course, you're, I don't know if I can do this. No, right, you failed at it thousands of times, right? I get it. 
What we're looking at, though, is a change of perspective, a change of attitude, a, a pregame, if you will, before you head into Kenny Drugs to get your prescription that they're overcharging you for and you're waiting in line too long. Yeah. So before you go into that situation, not that I'm speaking from any kind of experience, before you go into that situation, all right, you set something. All right, you set a, a you set a mindset and a perspective of forbearance. You set an endurance perspective of all right, granting grace. Granting grace. I don't have to wait for somebody to be rude to me to be granting grace. I don't. And if, they, if they're rude to me, which they're going to be, at some point, I'm already granting grace. It's okay. This is a manifestation. A manifestation of an actual actual presence of God in our life. Yep. Like the Word is dwelling in us richer when we can grant grace to people. It's more richly dwelling us. So, are people have faults? Yep. Are people going to be rude? Yes. Are people going to offend you? Yes. Are people going to make you angry? Yes. Are people going to say the wrong thing? Yes. Are people going to forget things that they're supposed to remember? Yes. These could be strangers. These could be people really close to you. These could be people that you just met. These could be people that you've known for 20 years. It's still the same. And and you can say, well, they shouldn't be that way. Seriously? Neither should you. Right? And that's really the point of this. Because you're going to get into this next section here. There's kind of an interesting way that it's written in the next section. Because what it begins to do is have us take a look at ourselves. And have us realize that we're, we're granting grace to people, clemency to people. We're forgiving people. We're walking in that kind of forgiveness. Yeah, because we need it. Because that rude person, well, you're rude. That person that forgot, well, you forget. That person that offended, you offend. You see, all of this has to do with this, this idea. We're all living in this same mess. And, and you're not the moral authority and neither am I. And so instead of trying to take a, a higher like position, take uh, you know a higher place in this or whatever it is you think you're going to do, the, the point is, is that we just need to be forgiving. Just live in a state of granting grace in the present, the here and the now. There's a bunch of verses here. Uh, we can look at a few of them, but Proverbs 16.32, somebody look at that. Proverbs 16.32, while you're looking at that, somebody look at 1 Corinthians 4.12. 1 Corinthians 4.12. Who has Proverbs 16.32? Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control, one who takes a city. All right. Thank you. So 
So in that verse, in the Proverbs, it's, I mean, it's telling you where is real strength? Patience. Better is the patient person than one who takes a city. The one who takes a city is a mighty warrior. Better is the patient person. All right, First Corinthians 4.12. Right. Well, I think there's some grace granting going on there, right? And that's what he's describing. He's saying, okay, this is how we practically live our lives. That when this happens, this is our response. When this happens, this is our response. There's a lot of grace granting going on there. But that's how he lived. And that's what he was trying to tell the Corinthians that this is what we're called to live in. Galatians 6, 2. Someone look at and somebody else look at Ephesians four two. Galatians six two, Ephesians four two. Bear each other's burdens, and in this way we'll fulfill the law of Christ. All right. Yeah, in other words, the idea of forbearance that I was using there. Okay, that's the idea of forbearance. And and that is being used in a slightly different way there, but is that we have a responsibility one for another. I I I'm I have a responsibility toward you. Jesus used it in terms of in a couple of different ways, but one of the ways he used it in terms of with your neighbor. And the idea of who is your neighbor? Well, we have a responsibility toward our neighbor. We have a responsibility toward our brother and toward our sister. We have a responsibility. And all of the the, the ways that he describes our responsibilities to one another are relational responsibilities. And we have those responsibilities. Well, part of that responsibility is that forbearance. Is that grace granting. And being willing to do that. Ephesians 4.2 Yeah, completely, <laughs> what a word, completely humble. Wow. Yeah, and then it talks about, there's again that word forbearance, bear, bearing with one another, loving each other. Last verse uh, for this part, Second Thessalonians one four. Second Thessalonians one four. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you endured. Endurance. Endurance. All right. Just so you know, I wasn't making this stuff up. There's a few verses. Um, you find another spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm just making up words. Um, all right. So moving on in Colossians 3, in that verse, verse 13. He goes on, he ta- then he starts talking about this. So the first part of it was the present. In other words, people you're engaged with, that we go into this, we need, a, we need a new way of thinking about it. We need a new way of going into whatever situation we're going to go into. Whether it's Kenny or whether it's driving or whatever it is, is that we need to go into that with the right attitude. 
And the right attitude is that we are granting grace. The right attitude is that we're living in clemency. The right attitude is an attitude of forbearance and being patient and enduring and, and, and being forgiving. And so that's in the present moment. That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to live. That's our duty. And so we may need to look at that as a duty so that we're working in that and we're moving in that regardless of how we feel that day. And it may be a positive thing to see that as a duty. The second part of this verse talks about forgiving people that you have a quarrel against. In other words, talking about things in the past. And this verse, uh, the verb that's used here is an interesting one because it says to forgive. Now, in most of your translations, it's going to say others. The literal translation of this is to forgive yourself. And in doing that, it, it, there's, the way that they translate it doesn't matter that it says that because it's understood as forgiving others. But I think it's important, though, to understand that the way it's written is that we forgive ourselves. And the idea of forgiving ourselves is this idea that we are one of another, that we're in this together. And the act of forgiving the other is the act of receiving forgiveness for yourself. The act of forgiving the other is the act of forgiving yourself. So in other words, like what did I talk about about the rude person? You're gonna you're gonna grant grace to the rude person. Why? Because you're the rude person. Right. You're going to grant grace to the person who forgot something they were supposed to remember. Why? Because you're the person that forgets. And if you're not the person that forgets, then then maybe you're the person that's late. Or if you're not the person that's late, then maybe you're the person that isn't very loving. Or, or maybe if you're not the person that's not very loving, maybe you're the person that's not very understanding. Or if you're not the person that's not very understanding, then maybe you're not the person that's very encouraging. And if you're not the person, maybe you're, you're the person that's encouraging, but maybe you're not the person that is very truthful. I don't know. And what I'm trying to get at is that we're not perfect. And we're going to mess up. And we're going to make mistakes. And, and that's what I was trying to say is that, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you grace. Why? Because I need grace. I'm going to forgive the rude person because I'm the rude person. And, and that becomes this idea of forgiveness. And and the idea that, all right, so we're forgiving ourselves because we're one of another. The idea of oneness. And Jesus wants us to understand that we're in this together. I think throughout the New Testament, I think through the writings even of Paul and some of the other epistles that were written, you get this idea that we're in this together, but we need to see it that we're in it together. That we, we come from a culture that it's all about, you know, like just getting out there and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and getting to, and getting to it. I don't have any problem with individual responsibility. I believe in it. That's not what I'm getting at here. What I'm getting at is that we're in this together. What? We're in the same situation. <coughs> we're in the same circumstance. We're, we're in the same emotional kind of stirring together. And it's important that we understand that if we're really going to forbear. It's important that we understand if we're really going to live in forgiveness. It's important that we understand that if we're really going to live in such a way that, that we're granting grace to people. 
I was uh, driving around the other day in a fairly bad mood. And as I was going somewhere, I was saying, man, I, I do not feel like taking any crap today. You ever feel like that? But it occurred to me as I was thinking that, I wonder how many other people are on the road right now thinking the same thing. I wonder how many people on the road had a really bad morning. I wonder how many other people on the road are, are having a really busy, bad day. I wonder how many other people on the road things didn't go their way today and they're frustrated. And wherever I was thinking that, I just kept thinking that. And as I was thinking that, driving, you know what? I wasn't as rude as I probably could have been. I'm not saying I was great, but I was certainly wasn't wasn't just acting out or anything. But I began to think in terms of, man, somebody else is feeling this way too. Maybe a lot of somebody else's. Maybe the world's just full of people feeling that way. And that's why people are rude. And that's why I'm rude. And people are short-tempered. And that's why I'm short-tempered. And people don't want to listen. And I don't want to listen. And maybe there's a reason for that. But instead of just being stirred in with the rest of it, it's good to recognize that. But we have a duty to be something else. We have a duty to stand up and to live differently. And so when it comes to the things of the past, he talks here, you think about the people you have a quarrel against, a, a complaint. Literally, that means a fault that has found a blame, an occasion for a complaint. In other words, these are people that have actually hurt you. Is what he's describing here. Not some made up thing. Not something you made up in your head. But someone that actually has done something to hurt you. That's what he's talking about here. And what he's saying is, is that these are the people. And he uses the term anyone there. And the word anyone, it says that regardless of power, position, high, low, rich, or poor, or anything like that. But this this is the person that has offended you. I mean, really offended you. Really done something to, to, to really irritate you or really done something to hurt you. That's who this person is. Not, not kind of the person on the side or not the made up thing or not the thing you just, you, you, whatever's in your head. But this is the person that actually did something to you. And what he's saying is that anyone, anyone, that you have a quarrel against, anyone that you literally have a reason to be upset with, anyone, anyone that has hurt you, anyone that does something against you, anyone who has offended you, you need to forgive them. That's your duty. You don't have to look much further than Jesus for that, right? He's on the cross. People crucified him. So he got nailed to a cross. They're making fun of him. They're taunting him. They'd already mock-worshipped him. They'd already flogged him. They'd already hurt him really badly. He's hanging on a cross dying. And what was one of the stations, what was one of the things he says there? Father, forgive them. Right? They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. 
Now, they were doing that on purpose in the sense that they were actually hurting Him. They were doing it on purpose that they were actually causing Him harm. They were doing it on purpose they were actually making fun of Him. They were actually mocking Him. They were actually mock-worshipping Him. They were actually doing all those things that actually nailed Him to a tree. And He's like, yeah, forgive them. Kind of like Stephen in the book of Acts. They're actually stoning Him. They're actually screaming insults at Him. They're actually calling him a blasphemer. And as the stones are striking him and he's about to die, he asks Jesus, don't, don't hold this against them. Because yeah, they were actually doing those things. And he was actually able to say that. And so, okay, there's two examples of that. And probably most of us aren't going to get crucified or stoned the next day or so. So we got to think in terms of really actually things that happen to us to be willing to forgive. Not only willing to forgive, but actually put that into action and forgive. It's our duty. And what does it mean to forgive? I'm going to give you a few different things so you can think about this. If you're going to forgive somebody, this is what it means. You harbor no malice. Once someone's forgiven, it's done. You're not looking for a way to get back at them. That's over. No malice. No evil toward them. No nothing. It's done. So that's part of forgiveness. Second part of forgiveness, you would do the person good as if there had been no complaint against them. In other words, you're going to treat them like you would even if they had never done anything to you. That's second part of forgiveness. Like, all right, I'm not going to harbor anything. I'm not going to live that way. And the, then the third part of that is declaring that we forgive. In other words, if they ask, hey, do you forgive me? Being willing to declare that you forgive them. Yep, I do. And being willing to say that out loud. And afterwards, being willing to treat someone with kindness. Yeah. To actually take it a step further than treating them normally, I'm going to actually treat this person with kindness. So the last part of this, he says, and he talks about, he says, because you got to remember, my memory is not so good. I mean, it's some things, I actually remember details from 30 or 40 years ago, and then other things I don't even, I have no idea. Like like what I eat or something, I have no idea. But there's just certain things I remember, certain things I don't. But here here the, the writer says this, the apostle says this, Paul says this in his writings, that remember, remember, remember. You are forgiven. So he said, you got to actively do that. You need to actively remember that you're forgiven. Because it, it's a command. It's not just a, you know, like like kind of a, hey, you remember? It's a command. Remember, you need to remember that you are forgiven. That's why it's part of your duty. And so Jesus forgives us freely. That means with no hesitation. He forgives us. Now, some of you have a hard time believing that. Part of you showing other people forgiveness and grace is you have a hard time receiving it yourself. All right? And, and so just kind of recognize that, that the Word of God needs to indwell you richly. 
And if the Word of God speaks of Jesus forgiving, forgiving how? Freely. That means without hesitation. Well, okay, if the Word of God's going to indwell you richly, is you going to believe that? You're actually going to believe He forgives you freely. In other words, He forgives you without hesitation. He's not sitting around, well, I don't know about that one. You know, that genie. I don't know about that. I, uh, maybe, okay. No, it's not like that. Yeah. Jesus, he, he He forgives freely. No hesitation. I mean, if it's genie, heck yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, I definitely forgive genie. All right. But who else? Well, yeah, I definitely forgive Alan. I definitely, definitely do it. I definitely forgive Justine. No, there's no hesitation. And so, he also forgives entirely. That means everything. So, freely and entirely. So, without hesitation and everything. Well, what about this? That too, yeah. What about this unmentionable thing? Now, yeah, he forgives it. And you can go down the list, whatever list you want to make, of whatever things you think or whatever, he's going to forgive that. He does forgive that. He has forgiven that. He's already died for it. He's made the provision. He's made the sacrifice. He's made the payment for it. It's already done. You want to drag it around. You drag it around, but not because he's making you do it. You carry it around because you want to carry it around, but not because he's telling you to carry it around. He forgives you freely, without hesitation, and everything he forgives. And... The last part of his forgiveness is that it's forever. So let me give you a little little word of advice on stuff. Once you give it to Jesus and you're forgiven, move on. Move on. Leave it behind. It's done. Forgiven. So freely, without hesitation, everything, all, and forever. Move on. We need to move on. And if we can actually take hold of that, is that's how God forgives us? Well, to me, it's a natural return for us to live as people of grace toward others. It's a natural return. But you got to let the Word of God indwell you richly when it comes to your forgiveness. Yeah. Because you know what? We're all in the same boat. I'm going to forgive you. That means I'm forgiven. I mean, I forgave me. That means you're forgiven. It all works together. And if you can't let that word indwell you richly, you're going to have a hard time doing your duty and forgiving people. You can go through the emotions, but you're really going to have a hard time doing it when it comes to reality. To living without malice. And all the things I was talking about, forgiveness is. And to be kind and, and to be gracious and to be loving and to be patient. And all those things that is talked about there. Somebody look at, we've got a few verses here. Matthew's, uh, Matthew 9, 6. Somebody look at Matthew 9, 6. Somebody look at Acts 5, 31. And I'll save the last one for me. Matthew 9, 6. Yes. 
Let that Word indwell in you richly. Acts 5.31 Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as Prince and Savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. And be forgiven. Yeah. Matthew. Somebody, you can look this up. Matthew 18, verses 23, 24, and 25. Keep going. And says, the servant followed me to meet the fallen. Be patient with me today, and I will forget everything. The servant's master took pity on him, and for that, and let him go. Alright, you can stop there. So, Jesus has an infinitely greater cause of complaint against you than you have against anybody else. You're, you owe more. To say he wanted to sell accounts. He doesn't. He hasn't. In fact, he forgives you. Your account's wiped clean. And in the rest of that parable, what happens is, is that that guy then, that it gets forgiven, completely, utterly forgiven for all time, everything forgiven forever, and all of that, he goes out and he finds some guy that owes him a little bit of money and then throws him in jail until he can pay it. But see, that's what we do. We owe, our debt was so great, but we've been forgiven. Our cause of complaint against us was so great, and yet we've been just freely, without hesitation, been forgiven for all time. Of everything. And so, if we're going to nitpick with people, and I mean, go out with like, oh, well, that person said this, or that person was that way with me, or whatever it is that people do, that's like that, second, that's like that servant who's been forgiven of everything, going and putting some guy in jail because he owes him just a little bit of money. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't like that. Jesus doesn't like that. He doesn't like you calling account on people because they, they owe you a little bit. He doesn't like it. And I, I could sit here and tell you that you know he's kind of neutral about it or whatever. He's not. He doesn't like it. That's why he makes it your duty that you've been forgiven. Get out there in grace. That's your duty. Because it's silly to think that you've been forgiven of 10,000 bags of gold and you're going to hold somebody in unforgiveness over a couple dollars. That's craziness. And yet that's what we do. And that parable that Jesus is telling, he's telling that parable to, to show how ridiculous that mindset is. 
but you've got to let that sink in. You've got to let that richly indwell you so that you can begin to think differently about it and you can go about life a little bit differently. We must forgive. We're bound to it. We must. It's our duty. So I'm going to just leave it at that as far as, because I'm going to start repeating myself more. But I don't know how else to hammer this home. There, there's, there's two sides of this equation. There's the Jesus side with us and then his expectation of us with others. And as we have received freely, Jesus calls us to give. So I think for some of us, that's going to be a work of revelation to let to really let the Word of God about Jesus freely, completely, forever forgiving us and dwell us richly so that we in turn can live a life of grace. Let's pray. Father, I, I just ask you that really get a hold of your Word tonight. That Word... Uh, just the word of your forgiveness, the word of your grace, the word of your love, the word of what that means in us. That you forgive without hesitation and you forgive everything forever. That we can move on and leave it behind. But I just ask you that that word would indwell us richly. It means something. It actually means something the way that we see things, the way we see ourselves, the way we see other people. Lord God, I pray as I do a lot that you've raised up, raise up a people of grace toward one another, a forgiveness toward one another. You raise up a people that, uh, that, that are going to be reflective of the grace and the forgiveness that you've shown us. A people that would go about the duty of enduring. The people that go about the duty of forbearing. A people that go about the duty of bearing one another's burdens. Of having patience. And what that means in each other's lives. To grant grace. And again. And again. And again. To grant forgiveness toward those that have hurt us or those that have slighted us or those that have offended us. To be willing to let things go. Truly let things go. And to live as a people of forgiveness and a people of real love toward one another. If you're sitting here with something in your heart against somebody, I just want you to just take a step of faith. I want you to think about Jesus loving you and forgiving you and let that flow toward that person. That person that you're carrying a grudge against, that person that 
you're angry with, that person that hurt your feelings, that person, whatever it is, just let that grace just flow. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah. So, Father, I just give you thanks tonight for all the love you show. Give you thanks tonight for all the forgiveness you give. Give you thanks tonight for all the grace you pour out. Give you thanks tonight that all the patience and long suffering and forbearance that you've shown us and you continue to show us. I pray, God, again, we'll be a people of grace. People of grace. Raise up a body of grace and mercy and forgiveness here in this place. Can I ask it in Jesus' name? Let's agree to say amen. 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 All right. God bless you guys. Good to see you. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm-hmm. know? He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community. Like the community that. No, yeah, so there's a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. Yeah. 